Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Today on The State of Us, three big supply chain challenges and what contributes to them. Welcome to the State of Us. I'm your host, Justin T. Weller, joined, of course, today by the one and only, your friendly redneck liberal and the senior resident historian here at True Chat, Mr. Lance Jackson. Today, we're taking a look at the supply chain. It's certainly been on people's minds. And one of the things that comes to mind is why are we having such struggles? And we've heard some things about ports getting backed up and supplies not making it through and labor shortages causing issues with shipping. But is there more going on? Well, surprise, the answer is yes. And today we're going to reveal for you three things you may not have known about the supply chain and talk about four other contributing factors as well. So there is a full docket, but we couldn't possibly get started until one Mr. Lance Jackson gives us the word of the day. The word of the day is stratification. Five syllables. It's a noun. S-T-R-A-T-I. F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. It means a structure characterized by a succession of layers. So the supply chain... Is a stratification. Is, yes, the stratification of the supply chain is the reason why there's a, an issue. Stratification is a... It is a adjective. Noun. It is a noun. a noun. Okay. Thanks for listening to me. I always appreciate it when my co-host listens to what I say. Well... Only got to listen to some parts. I led with that. I led with the noun. So we, re- we repeat it for Justin. The rest of you already knew that it was a noun because it ends in T-I-O-N. So that automatically pretty much makes it a noun if you know your English verbiage. This is where we talk about the stratification uh, component, right, is this notion of they, they divide them into tier one, tier two, and then kind of everybody else. And what does that mean? Well, there's kind of two big, the author of this article from the Wall Street Journal, which of course is linked to the stateofus.org, there's, there's kind of these two big uh, breaking points in the supply chain, right? There's everything that happens, and they explain this pretty well, there's everything that happens to get a product assembled or to get it made, and then there's everything after it's been made that gets it to you. So there's two big different pieces of the supply chain. And the first one is the one that doesn't get talked about as much of, if you think about what Lance said, 18,000, right? Now that includes tier one and tier two. So uh, for example, with your automobile that Lance was talking about, um, you know, you've got 250 tier one suppliers. So the the auto that, maker, that in itself is amazing to me. I mean, that's just mind right. mind blowing that there are two hundred and fifty very 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 important companies yes. that have to supply parts to make the car. You know, out of the eighteen thousand, two hundred and fifty are the are tier one. I mean, I'm I'm you know the car company has to directly work with two hundred and fifty different companies to put together the vehicle. Jamie. Right? But then those 250 right. have some 17,000 other <laughs> companies that help them make the that part help them, right. that they send to the car company. <laughs> yes. Mm. You know? Whew. 
And it's not even a three-layered cake because keep in mind, they don't, you know, you don't track it after a certain point. But right. as you get down the chain, you're going all the way down to, in some cases, like mineral extraction, right? Yeah. Because it's not even, well, these 250 coordinate with 17,000. It's these 250 each coordinate with probably another one or 200, right? And each of those one or 200 coordinate with another 50 or 10 or whoever until you get all the way down to the very bottom of whatever the raw material is. If you remove one of the layers, you no longer have a complete cake. Um, Likewise, uh, in this you know, stratification that exists in the supply train supply chain. If you think about the, if you think about how uh, a car comes together, right? You probably don't want to take delivery of your new car if the dash doesn't work, right? All the pieces are there, but you're missing the one semiconductor, for example. That's the one everybody's heard about a lot, right? right? That's your example. That would actually allow it to power on. So all other 17,999 pieces are in the car, but it can't get to you to be sold because that one supplier somewhere down the chain didn't have the thing that was needed to make it, you know? And it's not even as simple as saying... The whole semiconductor, in this case, it may just be a piece of the semiconductor (laughs) down the chain got backed up or is out, right? So everybody else has, we can make 99% of the semiconductor, we can get the vehicle 99.99% assembled, but because this one person way down the chain didn't have this one thing that we needed when we needed it, we're stuck. Um, And so that, that one was a big you know that a lot goes into a car, right? You think about that. But if you think a lot goes into a car, um, it's actually uh, it's actually about as much for a laptop or a smartphone. Sure. Well, yeah. and, and the thing that's fascinating about that is you think about the size difference, The size difference, right? right, right. But I mean, all, like, all the different companies that are involved. Yes. You know, but to your point, I was just watching television the other day and there was an ad for a car company uh, who shall remain nameless. And they said... Order your vehicle now, and you can lock in on this financing rate. And that just kind of blew my mind because before it's like, hey, this is what you can get to buy a car by, you know, the end of the month. If you, if you buy it by the end of the month and drive it off the lot, you can get this financing plan. Now they're saying, okay, if you order it by the end of the month, you can get this financing plan. You may get the car in six months. Right. Well, yeah, we don't know when you'll get but, it. But you can lock in the financing now <laughs> right. if you order it. Because yeah. we have no cars available for you to buy on the lot. But if you want to buy one now, you can buy it at this lower rate and lower price. And you'll get delivery as soon as we can get all the parts. Yeah, minor correction. Only three to 4,000 um, parts for a smartphone. Okay. Yeah, not, not 18. But still. I mean, you think about, so, so, so my, well, I don't know about, yours isn't say, a smartphone, my, so I'm my, not my, sure. Yeah, that, I don't uh, have a smartphone. It, my phone maybe does it, you know, only 10 or 12 parts, but, you know. It's, <laughs> well, I don't know about <laughs> it. It's probably a couple hundred, you know. <laughs> a, few, a few gizmos got to go in there. So, but that's it. That really is a big one, and, and we're spending some time on it because I think it helps people understand. So, the other the other note on this is, so why... Why did these lower end ones, right, the lower tier suppliers run into problems? Well, they may have been some of the ones that had to shut down because um, partly because a lot of them have a lot less workers, right? So you think of like General Motors or Ford or Toyota or whoever, right? I mean, 
yes, they, they were, they're impacted and, you know, you may have to have send people home or people out sick, but maybe you can shift stuff around and keep doing something. Some of these smaller suppliers, you know, smaller, they may only have a hundred or 200 people working for them. And if you take 25% of the workforce away, they may just not be able to operate at all. You know, it may just be, it's not safe. We can't, or there's just not enough people to do everything that has to be done. Um, so I think that's an important, an important thing to understand as well as it's not like they just didn't want to make the stuff. It's, you have to have both the people and materials necessary to make things. And depending on who down the line is causing a problem, especially the further down the line it goes, right? Um, you're the company that sells the semiconductor to General Motors for the vehicle. But for you to make the semiconductor, you have 800 suppliers, right? It's that ripple effect. So because one of them mm. didn't have the thing you needed you couldn't possibly deliver the order. So you, you'd be happy to. You have the people and you have almost everything you need, but you can't do it because one of the people you relied on. So the further down the tier process it goes, the worse the effect is felt as well. Um, and so let's look at the next one. Sudden spikes in demand can easily be misread. Sudden spikes in demand can easily be misread. So another effect, right, of the stratification that exists in the uh, supply chain is because there's so many layers, because there are so many different people involved, when, for example, let's take toilet paper because that's a big one that people love, right? <laughs> I mean, that was the thing we all felt. Oh my gosh, we're going to be out of toilet paper. So what happened? Everybody runs out and buys toilet paper. Well, the problem is that because this is a very complex, lengthy chain, the stores run out of toilet paper, so what does the store do, right? Kroger, in our case, is you know one of our local places that Lance and I shop. So Kroger says, hey, we're placing an order with the people that supply our toilet paper. We need a lot more toilet paper, and we need it yesterday. You know, So send us everything you got, because it's just flying off the shelves. People need toilet paper. So the supplier says, oh my God, you know, we're going to ship out everything we have, and we're going to tell the manufacturer that we need more stuff. And then so what does the manufacturer do? Well, then they tell everybody down their chain, all those tier one who then tell the tier two, who then tell everybody else, you know, we need more toilet paper. We need more toilet paper, right? So everybody, the whole chain moves into gear to ramp up that production. And then what happens? Well, we realize, oh, we, there is no toilet paper right now because everybody went and bought some and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And then it's like, Bam! Now we have toilet paper for days, and the and the price plummets because there's too much toilet paper. So the the reason that we're using that as an example is because the demand, and that's what this is talking about, can easily be misread. Is it people buying for uh, comfort because they want because they feel like they want to insulate themselves, or are they buying because the demand is actually there? Because right. if if Lance goes and buys six months worth of toilet paper right. and doesn't buy any for six months, the store doesn't need to right. ramp up its production. The of supply toilet paper. didn't change, uh, right? Yeah, but because he took all that. The data is saying, oh, right. well, we're basing what we're doing on the last month and sales for toilet paper are through the roof, so we got to we gotta get more toilet paper. But if I go on a diet of oatmeal and beans, I may need six months of <laughs> <Right>. toilet paper <laughs> every every week. You know? So then all of a sudden, you got to make that much toilet paper. Right. Yeah. But, part, but, but pending that unfortunate <laughs> uh, situation, 
You, you probably... I'm doing a cleanse. They don't I'm doing need, a gastric right. cleanse here. I the, need a lot of toilet paper. The, they ramp up more yeah. than they need. So, in a sense, to me, that's just, okay, duh, right? But it's not just consumers. And I think that's the big thing that people right. miss is part of the reason that all these bottlenecks end up happening is because it trickles down the chain, right? Um, well, we haven't even talked about if everybody starts doing this, how are all these different things getting to the stores for us to buy? Right, if everybody's ramping up, and you only have X number of delivery systems, yep. Now you're stressing that's, that. That's where your log jam comes in mm-hmm. at the ports or for the trucks or or whomever railroads, because everybody wants all they can get of everything. Well, we're not designed to do that, right? What else is involved? We've talked about sudden spikes in demand being easily misread. We've also talked about stratification and how that is a major contributing factor to the supply chain. But there's still more that goes into this. That's right. It's complicated, but important to understand so that we better know how to manage it. Keep it here on The State of Us, and we'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So the last thing we talked about is that supply, Lance, right? Can be easily misread. Um, people, people need toilet paper, so we all ramp up toilet paper. Well... Then the companies say, oh, gee, well, that was bad. We didn't, you know, we didn't need to do that because now we've got all this toilet paper just sitting around, you know, and they really have nothing to do with it. We're just stuck. So what do we do? We switch to just-in-time production, which can work fine sometimes. The whole motivation for just-in-time production system is so that companies used before the pandemic was it was so hard to know in advance what the demand for any particular product would be. So let's make only exactly what we need when we need it. This philosophy extends to carrying minimal inventory of parts and raw materials delivered just in time because if there is a a defect in one of those parts in the pipeline, there are relatively few that have to be reworked or repaired. Of course, the benefit in this situation is if you if you um, you know put together where suppliers and manufacturers are only a couple hours apart from each other, they may be doing daily or hourly deliveries to one another. That can work pretty well, but when you involve something that's as com- as complex as say a car, right? 
and you're talking about parts coming from and materials coming from across the world, now when you introduce those other things we talked about, you bog down the chain in front of it, and now that very precise timing that has to be carried out to make just-in-time production work can't function. And you say, well, why in the world would we do this? Well, it all had to do with you know, making money and how you could better serve your investors because, you know, anecdotally, I worked at an office supply warehouse 40 years ago when I was in college and we would have three or four months worth of pens and paper and office chairs. And I mean, you name it, if it's in the office, we had it and we had supplies and we had trucks coming in every day that we were putting in this, you know, 100,000 square foot warehouse that we weren't going to touch for two or three months, right? But now we're carrying all this inventory and um, we're paying for it, right? We're paying for the building. We're paying to heat it. We're, we're paying for it, you know, for people to rotate it. And everybody said, well, gee whiz, we don't need that. You know, we only need this much to fill orders. So we downsize because, hey, Amazon or whoever can get it to us, as you said, in two days. So now I don't carry any stock in my warehouse because I can get what I need for my customers and get it to you. But wow, now all of a sudden, my supplier is backordered, and now my 200 customers that I have to serve, I have to tell them I don't have it. And before that didn't happen, because if you had a backorder, it was no big deal because you had a six-month supply at the ready in the warehouse. And companies decided, well, we don't need to do that because we're so more efficient now. We can... We, we don't need that. We need a two or three day or a week supply because we're going to keep getting stuff in. And when it works, it's beautiful. And profit margins are huge and stock prices go up because profits go up. But hey, when it doesn't, everything comes to a standstill. And now prices go up, stock market goes down. Econ 101 right there. <laughs> the next item is ordering more than you actually need makes shortages worse. So in many sectors over the past year, firms that use electronic components in their products have been ordering up to twice what they think they will actually need. This has two predictable consequences. At first, it makes those products or parts that are in short supply even harder to get. And second, companies will someday likely be stuck with a lot of excess inventory and will need to cut prices to unload it or spend a lot of money carrying it. The answer isn't to abandon just-in-case production, which is different than just-in-time. It's a balance. So the reason we're talking about just-in-case is because a lot of companies switch to that from just-in-time saying that, you know, we're going to maintain some extra inventory as a backup. The problem becomes when that gets too aggressive, if you're still operating the just-in-time model, you're moving the regular stuff through, but all this extra that you've set aside, you're not moving. And you can't filter it back in without causing then disruptions down the chain because you're not taking the stuff that you were regularly taking. And then everybody else, right, says, well, we got to ramp down production. So then you filter in that extra that you ordered and everybody else stops. And then you're like, oh, hey, gee, wait, 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 we need, we need it again. And it's like, well, we haven't been giving you anything for eight months and now you need it, you know? So that's what he's that's what the author's talking about when we're referring to that balance of yes the idea of just in time production is nice 
um, but you have to have some just in case. And if you don't have some just in case or you have too much, then just in time production can be a failure. So it's a very tricky, fine balancing act to execute the just-in-time production versus the more traditional method of the massive warehouse, just put lots in it and then draw from it as needed and then order. But when you order, you can wait 12 months to get something because you order when you're down to 20% capacity and 20% will last you two or three years if it has to, you know? Well, that's not how most people are, or that's not how many manufacturers order now. You know what the just, the stratification of this would be? The best solution for all of this, instead of just in time or just in case. What's that? Just tin Weller. <laughs> I, I was wondering if there was going to be a pun about R- that. Rimshot. Yeah, yeah. okay. I think if we just if we did just in Weller, we could fix this. Okay, eliminate all that all uh-huh. that extraneous stratification and just right. consolidate. Uh, so the next thing is the longer the distribution chain, the more susceptible it is to disruption. Okay. Duh. I mean, that's just another dull one, right? It should I don't be. Want, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, but if you're going across the street to get something, eighteen thousand parts versus going across, you know, right. the country or your point across around the world, yeah, it's gonna cause a backup and a problem. Right? There's more likely that things can go. I mean, wrong. our listeners understand that one, Why and when you? they go wrong, it takes longer to fix. It. Exactly. Yep. Because there's more people and there's more entities involved, right? To travel, the further the further you have to go, the more people touch it. Yes. And the more hands touch it, the more it slows down. Yep. Yeah. If I make you know pencils and I have a hundred suppliers, or I make um, the you know Lance's Dodge truck, um, if something gets messed up in my supply chain for the Dodge truck everything gets thrown off. It's going to take longer to sort it out, longer to fix it, on and on and on. If I only have 100 suppliers, you know, okay, well, it's pretty easy to pinpoint where the problem is and then try to figure out how to fix it. Obviously, the more that are involved, the harder it becomes to even know where the problem came from. And that sort of is going to lead into something that we're going to talk about uh, here in a minute because, you mean, what do you mean difficult to figure out where the problem came from? Well, that's one of the other challenges uh, with the supply chain is is uh, visibility, right? Visibility. That well, where, yeah, have. I mean, when you're talking about seven different issues, the first thing you have to figure out is which issue is causing me a problem, or which issue is causing me the biggest problem. And even if I fix that issue, are there two or three minor issues that are going to cause me a problem? So, is is the you know with the stratification of the supply chain, you might have multiple issues that you have to deal with. You get your tier one problem taken care of. Now you have four tier two problems to take care of. Or you get four tier two problems taken care of and you're like, great, we're going to start ramping up production. And now you have a tier one problem come up. And it's like, so how do you even know where you go to fix the issue that you have so that you can produce the product that you want to sell. That, I mean, that, again, that takes a little bit of an explanation, but I think that makes sense to people, right? Is that the more things you have involved in the process, the harder it would be to pinpoint where the problem where, comes from. Right, where, where are we having the issue? So, wait, wait a minute. And by the time you get that problem fixed? There could be a new one. There's a problem in another situation 
in somewhere down the line. This is why, by the way, if you've ever wondered why people in logistics make good money, <laughs> this is one of the reasons because it it seems like it shouldn't be that complicated. Under regular circumstances, it's complicated, and it's very much about keeping the trains running on the right schedules at the right times. And when that takes place, you know, pre-pandemic, for example, pre-labor shortage, we all remember things were pretty smooth sailing. Same-day delivery was, you know, rolled out pretty aggressively. And I mean, nobody you noticed, want something, right? man, you can just, you can get it. It's available whenever you want it, whenever you need it, right here, right now you know, at a moment's notice, or at least that's what it felt like. Well, that was all very based on the predictability of demand and demand not going shooting up and then shooting down and then shooting up all month to month, you know, not even year to year, just, I mean, week to week, month well, to month. And, and enough workers to make the products that were being sold. And, oh, wait a minute, now we need enough workers to get the raw materials to make the products that we're going to, I mean, and, and they're in, I mean, because it becomes a, a worker's issue. Somebody well. has to get the raw material. Somebody has to refine that material. Somebody has to make the pre-sub parts for the lower tier processors. And then eventually it works its way up to the second tier processors who then eventually work their way to the first tier processors who then eventually get to the final end of getting to put the final product together. And oh, by the way, we're just now half done because we still have to get it to you. <laughs> the ankle bones connected to the shin bone. <laughs> the shin bones connected to the knee bone. Yeah, I got it. So, uh, so far, we've talked about a lot of different things, but the two major ones that we hope are sticking with you so far that should be somewhat surprising or at least are informative are supply chains have more moving parts and layers than you probably imagine. That whole 18,000 uh, suppliers for the average automobile. Um, and then also, uh, because demand is hard to predict, many companies turn to just in time production which works fine sometimes, but as we also illustrated here in this segment, can be very challenging. So what's that third uh, piece that might be surprising? And there's also one more uh, lesser piece, contributing factor that we want to talk about as well. Keep it here on The State of Us. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Congestion removes capacity from the system. Congestion removes capacity from the system. And to illustrate this, they've got a chart. You knew that was going to have to be shared. Um, so toilet paper. We're back to toilet paper, right? The consumer buys more toilet paper, number one. Number two, the re retailers increase orders, which amplify 
demand signal. Number three, then the manufacturers add capacity and suppliers stockpile raw materials. Then a flood of product comes back down the chain to the retailers. Then the retailers realize that they have too much and reduce future orders. Then manufacturers slash production, which leads to future shortages, and suppliers are left with a glut of raw materials. So, in other words, uh, think of it, right, sort of like when we encounter a traffic jam on the freeway. We easily recognize that extra, the, it'll take us extra time to get to our destination. It's the same thing with the supply chain. The more vehicles there are in the chain, the more backed up things get, and the less stuff gets moved from day to day. And specifically, uh, this is where we get to talk a little bit about the shipping thing, because everybody heard about you know the eastbound Trans-Pacific route over the past two years. Container lines assigned more ships and more containers to the trade lane because of high demand from U.S. consumers. But the increase in the number of ships and containers paradoxically meant fewer ships per hour made it to the port because of increased congestion. And this leads into the big final point of saying, so the issue is at the ports. Not necessarily. Bottlenecks are hard to spot because so few can see the whole picture. Because what we just said, right, makes it sound very simple. Well, there's, you know, there's more ships going and so they got to get into port. But what happens after they get into port? Well, before you bring them into port to unload them, it has to be able to go somewhere. Well, remember when we talked about just-in-time production, right? Well, these suppliers, they don't have huge warehouses. They have just enough space for the things that they can move out. And then when we talked about that illustrated chart example, right, Lance? Well, we ramped up production because we were told that people wanted more when, in fact, they didn't actually need more. They thought they were stockpiling. And so now we've forced all this product down the chain, and it's waiting out at port, and we don't have anywhere to put it in our warehouse because nobody's buying any toilet paper. Well, before you even get to the warehouse, the docks don't have the space to unload the containers. Right. And then, Well, because they can't that, move the containers because, because the warehouse can't take it right. because people aren't buying it. Well, and there aren't enough trucks to haul the containers off the dock to right. take it to the warehouse because the warehouses don't need it. Well, now, all of a sudden, the warehouses are empty. They need it. Right. But you don't have twice the trucks. Right. We still have the same it, number of drivers. Same number of drivers and the same number of trucks on the road to now deliver twice as much material that's coming into the port. So now the dock is full and they're loading trucks as fast as they can, but there aren't enough trucks coming in to unload the docks enough to bring in the next ship to unload those containers, which may have the item that you need to finish making your car because it's backlogged there out in the ocean waiting to get in because they can't clear enough dock space because of all the other stuff that's been ordered. And again, there's where you solve one problem and two or three more occur. You think you got it all figured out. You order it in time. Your semiconductor, you order it in time. The company has it, but now it waits out in the middle of the ocean because it can't, it's in line to get unloaded. And then even once it gets onto the dock, they may not be able to go anywhere. There are 5,000 semis that are ahead of them to take other stuff before they can get to the conductors that you need to finish the car. Well, remember at the warehouse, right, the other thing that happened is while all this was going on, everything else kept arriving. 
So now the thing that we need to get through, we have nowhere to put because we were taking order. <clears throat> we were taking delivery of all this stuff that we couldn't move because we were waiting on that other thing. So now we've filled our capacity and we, even though we need that thing that's sitting on the dock, we can't get it here because we don't have anywhere to put it once it gets here. Or, and then it even goes into the consumer, the consumer says, I don't want this stuff anymore. Right. So now the well, store now shelves what? are full. <laughs> and so there's no display area to put the products out, even if you get them there. Yep. So now you got to get rid of the stuff that nobody wants. And now we have to spend time and money shipping from the end store back to store it somewhere so that we can make room to bring the other thing in. To bring the stuff in that and people there has want to be, now. There has to be space to do all of that, right? right? It's not just like, we'll just take it off the shelves and ship it back there and then bring the other thing in. Well, what are we going to do with it when we get it back there? Because until we get this thing out of here, there's no place to put it. If, if I go out and I buy 20 new books, it doesn't do me any good to rearrange the shelves to get those 20... I gotta buy a new bookcase. That's right. But now the, the shelves are already I, full. But where do I put the bookcase? Because every wall in my house is already a bookcase. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's kind of that situation. Yes. If you think of it like that, you're still adding things, but you haven't gotten rid of any of the. And even if you do, now where do you put the old books that you're gonna get rid of? Well, you put them in boxes, but they're in front of the shelves. Now you can't and get now, to the now shelves. you can't get to the shelves to put the new books in there until you get rid of the boxes of the old books. But wait a minute. The car's already full of boxes of old books that you can't find anybody to take, so you can't put any, you can't get rid of the boxes. But the new books are still coming. But the new books <laughs> are still rolling coming in. in. Yep. And here they come. Yeah. Truck <laughs> delivery's coming every day with, with two like, new cases of new books. Right? <laughs> They're out the ears here. I mean, you have no to think to of that. Of you know, I mean, it's like when you go to the grocery store, you you pick up the products that are empty or about empty on your shelves. You don't buy the ones that you already have, right? Because you only have so much storage place for your food or for your refrigerator or for your freezer. Okay, and that's on the individual level. Just multiply that now to somebody who's needing 18,000 different companies to send them something to make a product. Well, but that's why it happens. And, and the bottlenecks being hard to spot because so few see the whole picture. What we're talking about is the whole picture. And it may, even as we start to explain it, like, I think it all makes a lot of sense. It's like, okay, well, this, this all makes sense. So why can't we get this worked out? Well, keeping in mind that stratification, right? That notion of these multiple structural layers that exist, General Motors may have no contact with the supplier who's five tiers down. They don't even know who that person right. is. Those tier two, you know, three, four I, companies. They've never even heard of them. Right. They don't deal with them. Right. On any kind of regular basis. So the problem happens and, and what takes place? Well, the logistics person at General Motors calls one of their 250 tier one suppliers and says, you know, hey, we got, I got this problem. I'm not getting this and this and this, and I need these. Can you get me those? Well, let me see. That person hangs up. The new person who's logistics at this place says, why don't we have any of these? Well, because so-and-so at this company hasn't sent us any. Okay, well, I call their logistics person, and their person tells me, let me look into it. I'll get back to you, right? Well, I hang up. Why don't we have this? Well, it's because so-and-so didn't send us this. Okay, well, I'm going to get on the... And that's when we talk about the visibility down the chain, you start to see how this becomes a problem because General Motors isn't talking to 18,000. They're talking to 250. They identify, you know, 10 of the 250 they have a problem with, and then those 10 have to go to work identifying why they have the problem, and then on and on and on it goes. And that all takes a lot of time just to figure out where the problem came from, 
let alone once you figured it out, what are we going to do about it? You know, well, great. We found out that the problem is, you know, that we can't get um, this piece of metal for the semiconductor. So now what? (laughs) And even if you find a place that has it, okay, now you call the trucking company. Right. We need to get it here. And and I need a truck. Well, we don't have any trucks available. All our trucks are fully loaded. We'll have one in three weeks for you. you So, you know, even if you quote, solve the problem, you run into another problem in another area. And I think that, and if you're like me, you've got a headache now trying to follow all this, but it does make sense. When it's when you start to realize it really isn't an easy fix. So what what can be done, right? Well, one thing is, and this is a hard thing, if you're somebody, right? There's there's people who under regular circumstances would never stockpile, right? They just don't do that. They're gonna buy what they buy pretty consistently on a pretty consistent schedule. They need what they need. They buy it as they need it. Okay, great. You people got to keep doing what you're doing. If times get tight and you decide that you know I want to stockpile. And this goes for people who do stockpile. Don't try to buy all at once, right? In other words, tick up your toilet paper purchases a little bit each time. Don't buy, you know, if you buy one case, don't buy 10, maybe buy two, you know. That's, you have to filter it in because when you, when we stress the supply chain as a society like that, it starts sending all these signal problems throughout the chain, which is only worse when there's a pandemic and when there's less people working. And then when you put a labor shortage on top of all that, you're just asking for what we've run into. You know, it, an, it, an impossible situation where it's just going to take time to level out. Um, the other thing that we can do, and this is obviously something that many of the suppliers are already doing, is they can increase visibility across their systems, right? Making it faster and easier to determine where and why problems are happening. Um, and they keep trying to do that, you know, but you have a lot of human elements still very much involved. Like I just explained that call so-and-so to call so-and-so to call so-and-so to call so-and-so to figure out what's going on, you know. There's a lot of those things that companies are working very hard to try to remove some of the time it takes to pinpoint the issue on its own. Um, even for mega companies, right? They rely on many, many, many sub suppliers, which is why Intel is coming to town here in Ohio. They're going to be like 40 minutes from us, you know, so they'll be pretty close. And, you know, they're predicting that they'll be creating some you know, 10,000 permanent jobs at Intel, but they're projecting another 30,000 jobs on top of that because of all the sub suppliers who will move to the area or build new facilities. And I think that's a perfect illustration today of understanding the complexity of even a major company like Intel, right, is very reliant on everybody down the line. And if one of those people messes up, everything else can be, you know, affected because of it. You're right. That's exactly that's exactly it. I think we did a good job of explaining it. You know, three major things there, and then the other things are like, well, yeah, that makes sense. But when you put it all together, when that right, right, it's a difficult issue to solve because there's not one person or one thing that can be done. There are thousands of things that have to be done in sync to get it taken care of. So it you know it didn't it didn't happen in a short period of time. It's gonna it's taken a while to get it all fixed. So, Lance, why do we have this conversation today? Well, because here at True Chat, we have a mission. And our mission is to educate people by providing honest, open, and respectful conversations. And I think we did that again today. And hopefully you learned something and you enjoyed it while you were learning and you share that with somebody else. And they say, 
well, I think I'd like to listen to The State of Us. Tell them as a podcast, they can find us on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and anywhere podcasts are found. The State of Us is available Tuesday and Thursday mornings. We send out new episodes as a podcast. You also can hear those same episodes on the weekends on AM and FM radio stations across the country. Who do you have for the win today, Lance? Well, you stratified the whole segment. I mean, I got tired of hearing you say stratification. (laughs) People ought to know what it means by now. I think so. I mean, they might not know it's a noun like you, but you did use it quite a bit. That's right. Well, I'll give you a grand slam home run win on that one. I didn't know what I did to win, but I know that I won. So that's for the state of us on True Chat in Urbana. I'm Justin T. Weller. I'm Lance Jackson at the bottom end of the stratification. Special thanks to Bradley Butch, our producer extraordinaire, and thank you, our audience, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Be the change. Be sure to check out our website, thestateofus.org, for books, articles, and all the ways to tune in. Thestateofus.org.